Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Hi, this is Michael Scharf, and Austin Next is now doing live events. This is a recording of our first LinkedIn Live session, where Jason dove into the topic of the Austin biosector. He was joined by Dennis McWilliams, partner at Sante Ventures, and Jawad Ali, president and founder of Austin MedTech Connect, and a surgeon at Seton Healthcare. They discussed how to define the sector, what's our special sauce, and the future of the industry in our region. Hope you enjoy the episode, and now on to the show. Welcome to Austin Next Live. I'm Jason Scharf, the co-host of Austin Next Podcast. We explore the Austin innovation ecosystem to understand how we are turning it into an innovation powerhouse, what's driving it, and what, of course, what comes next. Today, we're doing a bit of an experiment and trying our first live stream event. Our thought is we dive deeper into a particular topic on it than our regular show and also bring the community together for your insights and thoughts as well. My day job and experience has been in the biosector, both as an early stage investor and as an operator as every type of product company you can think of. I see Austin and Texas as a whole as the next great biohub, so I thought it'd be a great first topic for our live event. I'm joined today by Jawad Lee and Dennis McWilliams, both stand-up figures in our ecosystem. Jawad, Dennis, thanks for agreeing to be part of our little experiment here. Right. Yeah, happy to be here, Jason, and thanks for organizing this and, and inviting this on. First time to use the platform, so uh, super cool. Yeah, so, great to be here, Jason. Thanks so much. Fantastic, guys. So why don't we kind of start off with a little bit of a bio here. Jawad, you want to start off and tell us kind of who you are and what you've been up to? For sure. So I'm a surgeon here in Austin. I actually did my residency here as part of DelMed. I was the first graduating class under DelMed and then did my fellowship MIS Bariatrics and actually came back to Austin partially because there was so much excitement and growth in the medtech sector here and I wanted to be part of it. And so now uh, I'm a full-time surgeon here, do medtech consulting, also started Austin MedTech Connect as a way to kind of break the silos and help fulfill our potential as the next uh, digital med tech superpower. Dennis? Gosh, I feel like I'm, I'm on the exact opposite end of the, of the life cycle here. I, I've been in, uh, I was actually born here in Austin and been, a, I, I think, a fixture in the Austin ecosystem on the life science side for the past 20 years. And then before that, um, you know, more broadly in Texas, you know, I started my career um, in biotech um, on the startup side. So most of my career has been in starting uh, life science companies in the mid 2000s, I uh, moved back to Austin and um, you know, through through an entrepreneur residence program, started a company called Apollo Endosurgery. And Apollo um, Endo is uh, actually based uh, on the west side of Austin and um, employs over 250 people around the world now and um, is a publicly traded company. And um, I left Apollo a few years back and um, you know, after 20, 25 years of starting companies here, decided um, I wanted to work on the other side and uh, joined Sante Ventures and a partner here now and in investing um, across uh, medtech, um, health tech, and biotech. Fantastic. I'm going to start really, really big. I've used the term bio sector here because I'm trying to be as all-encompassing. I don't know what the magic term is. Dennis, let's start off with you. How would you define the bio sector and how wide or narrow would you use that term? Yeah, yeah it's a good, and, and I see lots of people, it means lots of different things for, for different people. I mean, I, you know, personally, my nomenclature taxonomy has typically been, you know, the life science sector and within life sciences, you know, we break it down into three at Sante, at least, 
we break it down into three core sectors, um, you know, one being biotechnology, which is, you know, captures both, you know, kind of advanced biotech techniques as well as probably small, uh, pharma and small molecules and, and what would traditionally fall under th that segment. Um, MedTech for us is, um, you know, what we call hardcore medical devices. So these are devices used in procedures or implanted into patients, um, but have a mechanical aspect and, and are um, regulated by the FDA as devices. And then there's this, you know, you know, I'll refer to it as the other sector, but the other sector dwarfs, you know, to some extent, um, you know, the med tech side and to some extent the biotech now. And that's, you know, um, I would say health services, tech-enabled services, health tech, digital health. Um, you have a life science tool sector. You have diagnostics. So some people will break life science tools and diagnostics into their own little cluster, and and you know, we'll have four clusters across, but. That, that, that's how I kind of capture it. And, um, you know, the, but there are lots of different taxonomies and they're all meaningful. Chua, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, partially, as Dennis said, there's not a perfect box system that includes each category neatly. And then now I think as we move forward into the whole like advanced digital side, there's so much more overlap, you know? I mean, like you don't really have hardware only devices as much, you know, almost all of them have some software component then they all kind of play into some kind of delivery model, cost savings strategy, you know? And so there's so much more overlap. I mean, I'm most familiar with the term medtech and I kind of broaden that to include some of the digital side of things and then to exclude some of the small molecule um, healthcare delivery side of things. So maybe that's one way to think about it. At least when we were building Awesome Medtech Connect, we started with that premise, but I know we've kind of broadened that over time because it doesn't make sense to exclude some of those other things. You know, autonomize is a good, example i mean it's is that medtech you know probably not but we still include it under our umbrella so and one of the things that i think about right and i'd love to uh, please people in the comments give us give us your thoughts as well is you know how do we be all encompassing you said dennis so your your other comment right we started to grow and and kind of encompass everything I, I almost see it as a as a broad scale right if i think on one end the the tools right you have the synthetic biology automation software for different types of life science companies too that middle group of, you know, diagnostic, therapeutic, med tech, all the stuff we all kind of historically, and then my other category, but you kind of have services, the care delivery, right? We have InsurAttack, we have, um, and I just blanked on the name, but the, the new care delivery that's coming out of the ex-dean of the med school, right? You have, you know, what do you put Everly Health in there? How do you think, you know, tech-enabled service for something like Wheel, right? Being able to add marketplaces and remote. So, it's getting bigger and bigger, which is great because I think that we want to have it be as large. And that's part of where I think we're going to shine. But yeah, I always struggle with to make sure that we be encompassing in the, in the, in the terminology, right? Yeah. I, I mean, you can, I mean, another way to look at it is really kind of turn it around from a patient perspective and what, you know, how does it ultimately, you know, how does a company's offerings or, or technology connect back to the patient? And it doesn't have to be a direct patient contact, you know, in the case of biotech or, or medtech. I mean, a lot of the, the companies you just mentioned can have a um, pretty important patient impact, but it may be more indirect through different services and things that they provide. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's one of those things you know when you see it. I mean, you know, we defined it, of course, from an investment thesis perspective in terms of areas where we feel comfortable investing or not. You know, as we get further out from you know, that direct patient contact from a device or a drug or a service, you know, it gets a little bit trickier for us to feel that we understand the ecosystem well enough. I mean, a lot of the things you're seeing in consumer health are super interesting right now. Um, 
we've traditionally at Sante not 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 done a ton on the consumer side. Um, we now find ourselves um, you know, doing a couple of consumer uh, services uh, plays on that. But you know, I, I think that that's you know, the patient side is another way to turn around and look at it as we as we try to build the lens. Yeah, and I think there's a good couple of comments here. Um, logistics, just the underpinning of how we back to that kind of delivery. How do we get from A to B? I know one of the you know, I used to work at Beckham Dickinson and the ex head of the medication management delivery or management solutions business I was part of now runs cold chain technologies about, you know, getting vaccines where they need to go. And especially during the COVID pandemic. And then, yeah, as you grow out to say, does ag tech count as that, especially as you think of like the synthetic biology stack that gets into and as we're changing that. And yeah, and Patrick, I agree. I- I've never like med tech from a perspective of it's, what does that mean, right? I mean, I think it's been more of an evolution, as you said, like from medical devices, but does that mean procedural medical devices? I've created a new surgical tool versus, hey, we're going all the way over to digital health and where does that kind of fit? Yeah, I mean, hold on, I mean, just on that, I mean, I think for me, med tech, I find med tech one of the easier ones, at least maybe historically, just since we've been in, I mean, med tech to me is the medical device segment of the industry. and. You, you know, I think that's a fairly clear, at least for people who do medical devices, you know, we consider med tech capturing that particular piece of it. You know, I think as you think about med tech and health tech, those get a little bit, um, you know, can get fuzzy sometimes. I mean, does biotech truly encompass pharma? Right. Um, just, you know, small molecules, biotech or not. I mean, you know, so a lot of that just it comes out of historically of how some of these industries have evolved over the years, you know. as, as So we, Dennis, so, so we see now like you know, the FDA looking at, uh, you know, software as a medical device. So how, from that, are, how are you defining that? You put like the software into that because of, as you think about from the regulation and patient perspective, or is that in a different category? Yeah, no, I mean, that, that it's a really good point. And, and, you know, I think for us, as we think about software, or I'm sure we'll talk about artificial intelligence here at, at some particular point, I mean, you know, there's this whole additional layer of of you know software being able to connect, um, you know, in, in if you think about the Venn diagram of these segments that we've established, I mean, software is becoming a more important uh, piece and tool of that. So, a couple of the companies in our portfolio, I think of companies like Clarity, um, you know, which is developing basically an AI approach for a kind of a whole new way of understanding and managing uh, risk of breast cancer. I mean, you know, technically, the heart of that company is a software company. Um, you know. Right. We look at it as, as really as a health service company. At the end of the day, it's providing us you know, service and a benefit to patients that we pull through. But you know, at the end of the day, the core of that technology is software based. And so, you, you know, I think a lot of us who've been you know, in these segments for, in my case, 20 years, I mean, we're always trying to connect these new technologies back to our historical norms of like, I'm trying to uh, connect it back to a framework that I have in my brain of what a medical device is or what, um, uh, you know, what a healthcare services company looks like. But, you know, that, that, that's being challenged now. And, and I think we're just, you know, we're all kind of struggling to figure out. And it's really, it's not really necessarily just from a, from a nomenclature standpoint. I mean, it's really, I think, for investors and for entrepreneurs, you know, we've tended to um, define for ourselves, you know, business models and ways that we understand the way certain industries work. But you know, how does you how do you build a money generating business in you know with an AI tool? You know, a lot of this is really kind of being defined right now as we go, and we're all trying to kind of figure out you know what that framework really looks like. I mean, one thing that we had thought about was not just from the insider's perspective, but when you look across at the broader community and try to engage people that maybe haven't been as engaged. Like one goal for me personally was to engage the broader clinical community, and I think medtech is a term that most people at least are kind of familiar with. 
Um, and that's something to, you know, a different perspective to think about versus like some of these other terms like tech bio and things like that. People are kind of like, well, I don't really know what that is unless you're in the industry. And so, I mean, with MedTech Connect, that's why we went that way. Um, and, you know, software as a medical device is a really interesting perspective because if it's regulated like medical device, you know, does that fall under MedTech? And in some ways, it's kind of a moot point, right? I mean, it's not what you call it. It's what you do with it. Yeah. Tech bio, which is a term obviously I started using a lot, um, is a whole new term, right? We, I mean, digital health was new, you know, 10 years ago. And we talk about, you, Dennis, you mentioned like artificial intelligence, that's probably a good place for us to ask the question of going to, okay, we're based in Austin and I'm going to give you my answer real quick. And then ask your viewers, what's the special sauce? What kind of makes us, you know, us unique. I'll kind of stay where, you know, where, where I think it, which is, it really is the convergence technology. It's bringing able to bring AI uh, software business model changes to these different types of problems that we face in healthcare. But, you know, Juwad, why don't we kind of start with you? You know, what do you, uh, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, Historically, as you all know, Austin has not been like a top five life science powerhouse. But looking to the future, I felt like, and I'm obviously a newcomer here, I'm looking to learn and, you know, talking with you all about this kind of stuff is really exciting for me because I'm always looking to like reframe things and learn new things. But just the combination of, you know, having all the UT knowledge base and talent, all of the, you know, tech companies like Meta, Google, Amazon here, and then combine that with the startup energy, all of the investment resources. And then it gets super exciting when you think about the regional metros, right? Even if you just take San Antonio and all the clinical volume and medtech or tech bio life science activity there, and you combine that, it seemed like the potential is, you know, much more than some of these historically robust areas in terms of growth over the next five, 10 years, especially as you think about, you know, the growth isn't going to be in pure hardware, right? It's going to be in the advanced technology, like the Neuralink kind of stuff or the software as medical device kind of stuff. And I felt like that was a real advantage that we had here in terms of having a lot of the building blocks, people, knowledge-based excitement uh, in, in this city and in this region. Yeah, I think those are all, all good points. I mean, I, as I think back, uh, yeah, gosh, over the last 20 years and, and what's really been driving the kind of the more recent growth, I... I point to the people and the entrepreneurs. I, you know, it's something that's it's, it's weird. I mean, Austin, you know, Austin catches a lot of flack sometimes for its, you know, it, its own personal view of itself at times uh, from other cities in, in the state. And and you're right, we don't have the, you know, from a from a from a healthcare research perspective, we don't have the same resources that they have in Houston or or well, no one really has it relative to Houston, but you know, even Dallas and San Antonio to some extent. But, you know, Austin has always had um, and been able to attract really solid entrepreneurs um, you know, within you know, the, the healthcare space and medtech, biotech. Each of those segments, there are really talented entrepreneurs um, here, some that have relocated and some homegrown. You think about, you know, Rick Hawkins and Matt Winkler and some of the people that have you know, just been stalwarts of the space for a long time. And, and I think that's just kept a pretty steady stream of entrepreneurial talent here. You know, again, I'll I'll tout out our, our venture community. I mean, you know, you've got Sante, of course, which has been you know, more than 15 years in the Austin community. And, you know, and while we don't have a manifesto to invest like locally in Austin, I mean, the fact that we're here certainly allows us a, the chance to push and drive when we can on that. Um, you know, Revival Healthcare just raised a, a large fund um, and, and is, is based here in Austin. S3 is doing, um, you know, MedTech now. So, you know, I think that that combination of entrepreneurial talent and, you know, venture capital here. Um, and now, of course, we have Delmed, which I mean, is a huge add to the community, which, you know, is is 
you know, not only bringing new resources to, to, to Austin, but I think really helping assembling a lot of the life science technology at UT. I mean, there's UT's always had some very strong, you know, technology, you know, within the, you know, the, the biotech and medtech and engineering side. But I think Dell Med is actually allowing that to centralize in ways that, um, you know, people haven't really appreciated before. And, um, you know, there's some real stars over there. And, and I think that's helping, um, helping with the, the local ecosystem as well. Just you've been here for a long time. You said you with Apollo and the like. Do you see the types of companies that are starting to grow up and be unicorns? We talk about like, you know, Matt Winkler or Surgeon, which is very different than the current unicorns of like uh, Wheel and Elego and Everly Health. So we seeing a change in what is defined as an Austin company? Um, I, I don't know that I would say that's necessarily a change. I think now we're just seeing, you know, more success more broadly. I mean, I think the companies you just, you know, look at Everly. I mean, I mean, they're, they've really built this, you know, amazing healthcare, healthcare business and, um, and did it here in Austin, which is really great to see. And so I think the fact that we can build companies like that, at that, that size and scope and scale is just a great sign of the health of the ecosystem. You know, look, it, it's still hard to build, uh, you know, look, I mean, if you're trying to build, you know, let's just say a cell-based therapy in biotech, right? I mean, it's still hard to do that in Austin. I mean, we don't have the manufacturing capability. We don't have necessarily the lab capability here, um, you know, for some of those things. But, you know, look, Shattuck Labs is built here successfully on the biotech side. I mean, there are other groups here in certain segments where, you know, if you can just get the talent in and around, um, you know, that that's certainly enabling that. Um, and then, of course, I mean, look, I mean, you know, look what we're doing here. I mean, we're on a kind of a shared platform interacting you know, with the world, apparently. And, you know, the the ability for for people to work remote and, you know, we're all proficient in Zoom and Teams and things like that. Um, you know, that's enabled a new way to think about how you build these companies. So, you know, where before you always had to try to get that executive talent, you know, geolocated, you know, where your labs are, geolocated where you're going to do your early clinical work. You can be much more distributed now. I mean, we have companies, um, I mean, heck, now, you know, our model now is most of our companies are doing clinical trials and EFS around the world. You know, we have a, you know, one company based in Minnesota, they're clinical persons in San Francisco. You know, they have a couple of people here in Austin. Um, they ran their clinical trials, their clinical sites were in Australia and in, in the Netherlands. I mean, and, and they did this during COVID. So it's like, you know, the ability to do distributed companies now is, is much, much different than it was before. And that that plays well to Austin, where you have executives who really want, want to live in this community. And um, and I think that's what's driving a lot of that um, as, as we go along. Yeah. One question I had with that is, you know, as you build these companies, it would be great to have almost like an algorithmic approach where you have maybe like the executive and tech team here you have like a clinical trial site in San Antonio, you have maybe some offshore activity, but then you do it in a way that you can replicate and you can move people through and then you kind of create that muscle memory or, or you know, um, experience in the community where people go through the reps and stay here and then it becomes much easier. You kind of grease the skids for the next companies to go through. And I don't know if we really have that, but I think that's something that is going to happen over the next, you know, five, 10 years. Well, it was an interesting, we had Steve Case on the podcast, um, you just came out this week, and we did talk about this kind of distributed nature. And it's funny, I've, I've, I've kind of yelled a bit at, at, at PitchBook and uh, CB Insights. This is for a non-bio one, but, you know, EnergyX raised a $450 million raise. And what's interesting is, okay, the company's in, uh, technically headquartered, I think, in Puerto Rico, their science and technology base is here. When they say the press release, they say here. So we're seeing these kind of multinational 
aspects of companies, to your point, Joanne, happening earlier than you would normally see at just a large, you know, a, a large corporate entity is that we technically, the reason I yelled at CB Insights and Pittsburgh, we didn't get credit for the 450 for some reason, right? Uh, they actually gave it to Miami, which last I checked, Puerto Rico's not Miami, but, you know, it's an interesting thing about what is an Austin company? What is this? We've got uh, Ben Lamb actually coming up on the podcast in a couple of weeks. And one of my questions to him that I think was really interesting, Dennis, to your point, is when they announced Colossal, they're like, we're going to have our CRISPR software team in Austin. We're going to have our, um, you know, our team up, our hardware and wet lab team in Dallas. So you have this ability to lean into the capabilities and infrastructure of other places already when you're even early. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just my opinion, I, you know, I, I hear you on, you know, do we get the proper credit on? I mean, I, I don't care. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you, you know, Austin is on the global map. I mean, you know, everywhere I travel in the world, when people, oh, you're from Austin, it's such a cool city. And we have, you know, Austin as a community has such brand recognition. I, I agree. It's not the first place you think of when you think of, um, of med tech or biotech. I think it's starting to creep up there from health tech. I, you know, I think just given the, you know, the the long tech history here and a larger group of tech VCs that are that are in the community, but you know, look at the end of the day. I mean, um, you know, we've got good momentum, and you know, actually, you know, there there were a lot of relocations of companies and talent, um, you know, during uh, you know during COVID uh, from the Bay Area in particular. I mean, we saw you know Guggenheim, several of their team moved here. You know, HealthQuest, um, you, know, you know, which is you know, a very, very large venture capital firm, you know, now has several partners based here in Austin. I mean, you know, you know, for us at Sante, I mean, you know, we added uh, Tom Crummel as a venture partner who was you know, chief of surgery at Stanford and very involved in biodesign. And, you know, just to have that influx of talent, I mean, they're figuring out to get here. You know, you mentioned Jawad earlier, you know, Paradromics and Matt Engel and what those guys are doing. You know, they ran a search, you know, hey, Bay Area is too expensive to build a company. Where should we go? And they chose Austin. And you're you're hearing that more and more. So, you know, I don't I don't know that we necessarily have to you know, be tooting our horn along those lines. I think it's happening organically here. And I think that makes it a bit more durable. I mean, you know, people like to live here. Um, you know, there's a good, um, you know, good living index here in Austin. Um, there is capital here. Um, if you need it, there is talent here um, in talent that you don't have you know, they're pretty happy to know that they can come to Austin for board meetings. I mean, so, you know, I think that that, um, you know, we're, we're on the right track. So I think it's a great part to pivot. If we're on the right track, what are actually the challenges that we face? And what is it that we need, you know, need more of what we need to go? And I think the good place to start and to put you a little bit on the spot, Dennis, as a uh, venture capitalist, it is likely, you know, we're in tough economic times coming, right? Either now or, or coming. So it's a, probably a little bit harder to raise, what you know? What are your thoughts coming as a, from a VC perspective on that? Well, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm accused at times of being a bit of a curmudgeon on it. I, I've always thought it's hard to raise money. I mean, you know, particularly in 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 med tech and and some of the in, in health tech. I mean, it's always always hard. I mean, what we experience over the past four or five years is not the norm. I mean, you know, the you know, the the out, you know, the, the the crazy valuations and money being thrown around. I mean, you know, it all ties back to you know when the government's printing free money. You know, at the end of the day, that percolates down through the system. And, and I don't think people, think people really appreciated that until they started seeing monetary policy tighten up. And now as that spigot goes through over several months now, how that's impacting you know, things. And, and of course, we're going to, you know, that pendulum is going to swing, um, Jason, as you mentioned, a little bit further over to, to the downside on that. But, you know, in certain segments, it's different. Like, you know, I would say in medical devices, um, what we see is good companies are getting funded. Um, the venture capital funds that invest in med tech, 
Um, you know, they never got kind of too crazy um, as it related to, to valuations. And so those, you know, those companies are still getting funded. Um, and, you know, the IPO market has never been a big piece of the investment thesis for venture capital um, in medtech. There have been some great medtech IPOs, um, but that's not what we underwrite. So I think there it, 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 it you know, it, it's, you know, a little bit harder, but, you know, to me, not, 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 you know, any different than what it's been the past 20 years. You know, biotech's very hard right now. Um, you know, I think, you know, biotech, yeah, I think people are, you know, because biotech has relied upon the public markets to kind of keep this engine of, um, you know, funding kind of moving along. And I think everybody's trying to figure out how biotech's going to, going to go. And I think that's true in Austin, um, you know, you know, no, no different and probably harder in Austin because if you are going to invest in biotech right now, you're probably trying to stick, you know, closer to where the capital is in Boston or the Bay Area. Right. Um, and then on health tech, you know, health tech, it's, it's hard to really pin down right now. You know, I think that, you know, valuations, post-money valuations are going to be a problem. Um, you know, there are going to be a lot of uh, companies that, you um, that have not grown into their post-money valuations and, you know, what are companies going to do with that? You know, what are the boards going to do? What are the VCs going to do? You know, I still think we're in that reckoning phase where people are realizing that. And then, you know, of course, if you're selling in hospital systems, I mean, you know, every week you're seeing um, a headline of the challenges financially for hospital systems. And so I think that's percolating too as well. So, you know, I would say Austin's challenges are, you know, I'd say materially, they're not really, you know, I don't worry about an Austin challenge right now um, versus just the overall market challenges of any company, no matter where they're based right now. And so, again, I think we've got good fundamentals here and, you know, companies tend to be a little more capital efficient here in Austin, I think, just because of just how we've grown and built. And I think that ends up benefiting the ecosystem. So, Jawad, you just started Austin MedTech Connect. I'm going to guess you felt there was a gap and something needed. So where do you see the challenges coming yeah, I mean, and just to kind of go back a little bit, you know, so as I was getting more into the consulting side and meeting people in the community, I realized how many people there actually were in town. Like I'd look up a company and then find, you know, one of their executive team in Austin or, you know, network with someone on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, like they're in Austin also. And it seemed like we had so much going on, but it wasn't connected. And so that was, I felt like one of the challenges we had here was just a lack of a central community and not that, you know, we're going to be decentral community, but, you know, a group of central communities where there is a place for people to go if they're wanting to build or even if they're wanting to just be a part of, of that movement, you know, just to collaborate with other people, learn kind of, you know, talk with people like Dennis who've built a company here, right? And and have kind of the historical perspective of what to do, what not to do. So that was kind of the biggest challenge we were trying to help with. And our goal is basically just like to break down the silos, to connect all the different sectors. Because, you know, in this space, there are a lot of sectors, right? It's not just like two or three, it's like six or seven, you know? You have the investors, the clinicians, the startups, the tech people, the large tech companies, the large med tech companies, you know, kind of, there's there's a large group of stakeholders. And I think it works best if they all have a place to go to work together in a coordinated way. And so that was kind of one challenge that we're trying to address. Yeah, Jawad, you mentioned that earlier in terms of like, you know, organization of resources and stuff. And, and you know, I think your comments on connectivity, I mean, I remember when I was starting Apollo back in the mid 2000s, it was, you know, to be honest, it was a little bit of the same. And, you know, we, you know, you, you need that advice and you need some of the, the, you know, the experience of people that are in the community to point you in the right direction. I mean, it makes no sense to go reinvent the wheel every time you have to do something. 
Um, and that's one of the things I've liked about Austin as a community, as an entrepreneur. And I think people really recognize that when they move here. I mean, it's a collaborative group. You know, people are pretty supportive. Um, you know, I'm just looking at some of the names here that that are are you know, putting on comments. These are people that you know I, I've known in this ecosystem for for you know the past couple of decades. And you know, we, we we've always been able to pick up the phone and call each other. You know, provide a resource. Um, you know, uh, you know, give that direction. Um, and having kind of a single point of contact that Jawad is super helpful. You know, if anything, just a traffic cop and direct people to to resources that are there. Um, you know, I know for, for a while we had, you know, just a, a group of entrepreneurs that would just get together and, and, and uh, grab a couple of beers when times were tough. And I mean, that got me through some, you know, the 0809, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, you know, I don't know if Adam Berman's on here, but, you know, Berman and I used to, you know, our offices were right down the street from each other. And, you know, we'd had this little red phone 911 if, if one of us needed to go, um, you know, uh, complain to the other and get some advice. So, you know, those things are really important. And, and I would co contrast that with what you see in the Bay Area, like, you know, you know, with companies there, you do not necessarily have the same collaborative environment. Entrepreneurs tend to be pretty competitive. You, you know, there's this I, I need you know, I, I can't help this other company because that somehow may you know, impact what we're doing. I think all of us in Austin, for the most part, feel that, you know, it's a rising tide helps all boats. And, you know, to the extent we can help each other, you know, we're all busy, but everyone here is is willing to uh, to raise a hand. And I think that's not just in the bio sector. I mean, something that I've said many times. So I've only been here for you know just under two years and met an amazing number of people. And the driving factor of that is if somebody says they're going to introduce me to somebody, 80 percent of the time they do which is an insane stat is your point, like anywhere else in New York or like, you know, maybe a quarter, if you're lucky, you know, half the time it, it's going to be, it's going to be that and you, you meet a lot of people, but then it's, how do you get the critical mass, right? One of the things, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, you know, uh, especially with the biosector, I'll say this out loud and be recorded on it. You know, when I look around the, like the networking or the industry groups in, in Austin, we have like 15 for the biosector and like, we don't have the, the, the critical mass for that. I, you know, went to an event recently uh, that was one of the names. There's like 20 people there. And I'm like, I'm sure that's not what they wanted either. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't see Jason, how we have all these little ones, you know? Yeah. You just, uh, that's always been a bug of mine here in Austin. I, you know, and again, we, we, not only did we not really have the critical mass in Austin for that, we really, I would, I would almost argue statewide. Um, you, you know, if we, we took all the life science companies and infrastructure from you know, Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, and some of the other regions, and combined that together. You know, we could we could almost you know reach you know the the feet of Boston and San Francisco on that. And so I just think we need to be practical about that. I mean, you know, like everyone wants to help, and I think that's great. And I think you know, you know part of your point is that you know there are so many groups because so many people like connecting and, and doing that. Right. It is a challenge, I would say. I mean, if I think back when I was an entrepreneur, um, trying to navigate through that in terms of like as an entrepreneur, you need very specific type of help in, in networking at times. And, um, you know, trying to navigate, well, what's the right group that I need to go to for that? You know, how do I maximize my time on that? That, that can be can be challenging. Um, you know, depending on kind of where you are in that ecosystem. But I think, you know, it, it doesn't take very long if you go to a couple of those events and you, you kind of find this network of people in, in Austin that are willing to help and, and contribute, um, you, you know, but can you slap a name on that? Can you organize that? I don't know. I mean, um, I, 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 I commend and, and I like, the, you know, Jawad, what you guys are doing in terms of just you know, trying to build just the connectome on that. And, you know, sometimes that requires getting together and having events. Sometimes it means just, you know, people are willing to take an email from somebody. 
Yeah, I think, you know, when I think about the community aspect, right, it's not, I think it's too quick to say it's this 100-person happy hour event, right? Um, And especially kind of, you know, post-pandemic, at least for me, that event has really come down in terms of its its importance, right? I It was always like that was the thing, but now we have different opportunities. You have Slack, you know, you have digital communities like on Slack. Now, I've always kind of run into issues that, you know, and I've, I've said this before that, I'm on like seven different Slack channels and, um, you know, 80% of them are all focused on very transactional. I have, I need, I want, I give, which is fine. You need that kind of thing too, but the ability to actually drive that, you know, a conversation of like, how do we think about X or I have this problem. The answer is just not simply yes, no, or here's a name, right? Something I wanted to also kind of pivot to on the, where I see some of the challenges are is just straight up, uh, life science infrastructure, right? We do not nearly have enough wet lab space. Uh, I think ACC Bio Incubator is amazing and stuff that Nancy's doing over there. And it can't be every time I talk to somebody like, yeah, we're starting a new thing and it's over there. Like, that can't be the only option, right? And it's interesting. We have the Innovation District downtown, which I just heard on um, the Austin Breakdown podcast that it opened in August and they still were not having anybody yet uh, sign up. So there was no anchor tenant. Uh, I think it's wonderful if the rumors seem to be true that Alexandria bought the Texas, the Teachers Texas Retirement Building, because I think having Alexandria here and actually having this be one of their core regions would be great. I'm not convinced that putting wet lab space, the most expensive type of real estate downtown in the most expensive area, is the best move for how we can actually get the infrastructure. Because I think... I would assume, Dennis, that any startups that you were, that you guys backed that would say like, "Yeah, we're going to go downtown," and for the you know lab space, like, that's not a great use of funds. Or even more back to the your more fundamental point. I mean, you know, you, you, if you're going to be building a cell based therapy or a company that requires a ton of wet lab and space and experience, like, do you really want to do that in Austin? Um, and we, we would say that. I mean, it, we would not obviously if somebody if we had a critical mass, we would do it. We would make it happen, of course. But it's like. It's not as easy as doing it in San Diego as doing it in Boston and in the greater Bay Area. But so I don't know. I mean, I think, um, you know, somebody on one of the questions, uh, it looks like Scott Collins asked this question, you know, uh, other than the capital, what, what could we fix? I mean, I do think solving a bit of the wet lab space, that's always been an issue in terms of, of, of you know, how do we get biotech going here? Where's the spot that you can kind of get something kicked off without you know, kind of really um, re- re- burning all of your seed budget, which is most likely not going to come from venture um, out of the first go. Right. Um, you know, those things are solvable. Communities, you know, and Alexandria has done this in areas, you know, you go to Dallas and look what they've done at Pegasus Park and, and some of the facilities there. You know, there are good models of, of how you might be able to do that. Um, you know, is downtown the right place to do that? Um, I'm not sure. You know, MedTech's a little bit easier. I mean, MedTech, you know, you need, you know, prototyping capability, which has gotten so much easier with desktop uh, 3D printing and, and some of those types of technologies. You know, we, we always joke that the original Apollo offices on 7,000 BKs were the the, med, the original MedTech incubator. We took that space over from a company called Calcitech. And then once Apollo moved out of it to a bigger space, you know, uh, uh, Adam and TVA moved in. And then I, I, I actually think so another... MedTech company is now taking over lease, taking over the lease from Beckman Dickinson. So that's like 18 years of MedTech companies in one small little <laughs> office space. So, you know, there's a lot of that um, kind of in and around Austin. And um, one, one thing that does help on that, though, if you think about infrastructure, you know, we ha- have had the relocation of some very large companies to, to Austin. Yeah. You think about on, on the MedTech side, the whole St. Jude um, and Abbott thing has been pretty... <laughs> 
you know, pretty, you know, impressive. I mean, you know, maybe not from a, from a lab or, or benchtop resource standpoint, but from a talent perspective, I mean, there's a lot of really good talent here in town now um, from some of those moves. And, you know, I think we can start to think about equivalence on that um, on, on the biopharma biotech side, um, you know, those same things that, that always, always really help kind of build the overall infrastructure. Yeah. And I think about from when I say that our secret sauce is like the, you know, the convergence tech, any sort of physical space. And I think in many ways, right. Unlike say, a Twitter or you know enterprise software, there is going to be a physical component to life science, right? You you usually have a lab, you usually have some you need to run. Is being able to have a space that has computation, being that has wet lab, that has physical you know three D printing, being able to build you know med device prototypes. I think if we can have something like that, whether as as an incubator or uh, as, as Enrique said, or um, or just as a, as a space, right, that you can do. And then bringing in just kind of that creativity, I think, really is going to be something that we can benefit from, right? And not just lean into one or the other, because I think we, we have just so much. I think as the sector diversity, both across all sectors in Austin, and then even within the biosector is we just we have a lot of different things. We're not we're not one thing. Yeah, and I've heard rumblings of you know, various projects and initiatives around there. I mean, yeah, it's hard for us to keep track of what really what's really going to stick and what's going to go. But you mentioned Alexandria. I mean, they're, you know, I, I yeah you know, that that seems to be forming a bit. I mean, I know they're they're thinking of running um, you know some type of health tech uh, meeting here um, in the next uh, few months, which I think is a good sign. You know, another good sign is just a lot of the you know the, the bigger law firms that you know, work with the health tech companies and biotech and medtech companies. Uh, looking to set up offices here yeah. and all of them are already here. And so, you know, I think those are good signs that people are recognizing. I mean, it seems like Austin's uh, on the top of everybody's next city to expand in list and, and, and healthcare. We don't always get over that line in terms of it actually happening, but um, you know, I think it's, um, it's something that seems to be percolating and maybe we get over the hump. Yeah. And I, I think, think from like sorry. the infrastructure perspective, I was just going to say it might make more sense to have like a distributed coordinated network of resources that are easy to access for locals rather than building like a super incubator center, you know, just from a practical perspective until we can have that critical mass of, you know, we have all these companies coming through to avoid kind of some of the pitfalls of having a space that's not used to its full yeah, potential. you know who did, Jawad, you know who did that really well um, back, um, you know, in my earlier days of doing this. Uh, you know, Bio Houston did a great job of that, and, and and not only did they just catalog that for Houston, they actually, you know, for a while they they were almost the de facto statewide um, organization on that. Jacqueline Northcutt um, was a great connector across the state, and Antonavi, who's there now, uh, has a spectacular network as well, and that might be worthwhile. And they've always been super collaborative, um, you, you know, but I think looking at some of the things that they did to enable um, kind of a virtual infrastructure, you know, now they've got some tremendous hardcore assets. So you look at what they're doing at TMCX and yeah. you know, is there, I, you know, I think that playbook, that virtual network is what eventually led to kind of these more bigger facilities that people like, or you can, we can go find the, the the awesome version of Light a Hunt and build Pegasus Park, right? I mean, there's a couple of ways you can kind of get to it, Yeah. but you know, I, I like that concept a lot of, kind of you know, building a, a, a resource network resource virtually at first that allows people to navigate through easier. Yeah, and I'll reach out to you to get those connections because we're, we're trying to you know, help facilitate that. And so meeting with people who've done that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think the biggest thing that is and, 
Yes, let's go find the uh, build that, have the virtual, have it all kind of come together. But I, and I think what you're talking about Bio Houston is a good kind of, I think, segue into kind of the next piece of what I was looking to talk about, which is, you know, you've said many times, and as you're like, if I'm building a cell therapy, I don't know, this is the spot. I think of the Texas Triangle having very different capabilities, very different talent, um, even across the biosector. And that's a good thing. Right. The fact that we can actually lean into some of this stuff. I mean, when I think generally about more classic med tech device, you know, therapies, I think Houston. Right. When I think of I said, always I keep putting about that convergence tech. I think that's us. Something that I only learned about in the last couple of months in San Antonio that I, I wish that they would you know, yell about more is the clinical trial infrastructure is huge there. I'm like, great. We should be, you know, leaning into all of that and be this, you know, more cooperative. I'm going to make, you know, the Texas BioPorter, I keep making, saying that term, I'm going to make it happen, right? But anything that I can think of, it, you know, I've gone to Houston for the day and gone to TMC, and your point, it's, it's huge and amazing. Gone down to San Antonio, both capital flowing in both directions, companies flowing in both directions. So, what I mean, how do you see us being able to leverage the fact that we have all of these different capabilities, but connected? I mean, I think, you know, the problem is that we're not organized internally, so it's hard for us to interface with external networks in an effective way, right? It's not, you have to kind of do like these one-off things and that's not practical to scale, you know? Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do is organize the Austin community and kind of have like a structure around it. And then we have a dinner coming up on December 8th for Austin and San Antonio community leaders to help build those relationships. And then I think that's kind of starting the ball rolling in terms of, you know, we have all these different resources, but we're not even organized internally to be able to interface with these other cities like Houston or San Antonio. I mean, you have these, you know, informal networks, which are awesome. But I think in some ways, I feel like we have the potential to grow in addition to that with more formal networks. And and that'll allow us to leverage these other resources and then build that critical mass to, you know, create our own facilities over time here. But I think it's a step-by-step process. And, you know, we're kind of on like, you know, step two or three and, you know, out of out of like maybe 10. Yeah, I, Jawad, it's a great point. I mean, the single point of contact problem for Austin has always been an issue. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's, it, it is, you know, again, I not to, to pump up, you know, by Houston so much, but I mean, for years, we all knew, like, if you wanted to do something in life sciences in the, in the greater Houston area, you, you called Ann or, or Jacqueline at, at Bio Houston, you know, if, you know, now you you know you you can also go to TMCX and you know, Tom and his team are going to have kind of the nexus there of things you, you're going to do and part of that's physical and part of that is just the network is kind of the, the centered around there and we need to find a way to build a similar type of connectome here in, in Austin I think if we want to try to connect more broadly to statewide resources I mean one of the things I mean you know I think the other side of the issue too is I think those communities also struggle I mean as much yeah. as they right. have great things happening they're having the same conversations of why can't we be like Boston. And so, you know, I find that you know everyone's willing to to um, you know collaborate, um, you know, as they can, but it's just hard because you know we've all got our own problems and and such. But you know, there've been some initiatives in the past that have worked that have come, you know, come, you know, like we just finished up the Rice um, Life Science Council, you, know, yeah. you know, Life Science, which has been a tremendous mainstay over the past couple of decades. I mean, you know, we you know, you know, Sante always tries to have a presence there and. Um, you know, it's it's been a real r- r- real good event, and and so I think you know that you know we've had the Texas Life Science CEO uh, conference as well has been a you know um, um, a nice way to get folks together. But 
Yeah, I just think, you know, finding ways to build this connection, you know, Patrick Cothion uh, made an interesting comment um, about, you know, when we're talking about the big companies, finding ways to access that talent within those organizations is interesting as well. I mean, I think a lot of times if you're working for a big company, you don't really know how or why I should be integrated into the innovation side of it. Um, but, you know, heck, most most of the time when we had startups, we were cherry picking from those big companies. And so, I, you know, I think you know, finding ways to open up some of that talent network at the bigger companies to, to the innovation community would be interesting as well. Totally. Yeah, as I've been around, I haven't necessarily, uh, I've kind of said this before and, uh, you know, so it's, it's not any sort of secret, but I've seen Abbott, the signs, I drive by the building and I've actually never met anybody from Abbott <laughs> in the ecosystem. And it's like, okay, I know you've got a good number of people here. And so, you know, it's, it's here and I'm sure they are integrated more than, I, than I've seen, but it's that point of, you know, if we have them, if we can get, you know, you know I know the, there's a kind of the bumpy road with Merck, but if we get the larger companies to come here. I also think, and I'm going to, you know, poke you a little bit, Dennis, on what you said, when everybody said, yeah, how do we be more like Boston? And I think the answer for any of these, us, is to not be, right? You know, that's, you, you know, us, Austin is a lot of times being compared to Silicon Valley. I don't want to be the next Silicon Valley. I want to be the first Austin. And I think it's the yeah. same way, obviously, in life science, we tend to look more to Boston as the thing. There's, there's a lot that we can learn from what they've been doing, but... I don't want the biosector to be the next Boston. I want it to be the first Austin, right? Yeah, I, that's very, very well said. I, you know, and I, I think to some extent, you know, you know, communities who try to say like, well, how do we turn ourselves into Boston or San Diego or San Francisco? It's just, it's some kind of fool's errand. Right? It's just, these things are, you know, those ecosystems evolved over 30, 40 years. You know, sometimes it was luck. You know, yeah, I would say very little planning went into making those things happen. You know, they had some, some really big wins, some, you know, some huge, successes and um, those successes then bred more successes. And, you know, you don't know where they're going to pop up. Look, I mean, look at Minnesota. Minnesota is the hotbed of medical device development. Um, you would not have drawn a map and picked Minneapolis as that ecosystem center. Um, but, you know, you know, you had Eli Lilly, then you had Medtronic, and then that led to, um, you know, led to that. So we just need our own versions of that here. And, um, you, you know, I, I know people lament when, you know, a, a local company gets acquired and sucked into one of the larger companies and, and uh, people get frustrated by that. I mean, to me, it's like, let's accept it. Let's embrace that because then those people are going to go and, you know, percolate out and, and then, you know, go start their own companies. And eventually we'll have a couple that become the big, you know, 10,000 employee companies that are Austin homegrown. I mean, look at Dell. I mean, you know, we'll yeah. have our a life science version of Dell computer and that, you know, that will be, a, you just can't, you can't force that to happen. No, I think 2023 and 2024 from an exit component looks possibly interesting for a few of our unicorns. And I think Austin's now getting large enough companies that it obviously this depends on the company, but if they are acquired, it won't be a pure suck in, disappear. It'll be, okay, now this is the hub for XYZ company that came here. I mean, it's interesting looking at the history of some of the other industries here, because I feel like the story has been different than you know, it was a series of events and it was more like it was an initial push and strategy, like with, you know, George Kuzmetsky and some of the tech industry here and the chip industry here. It was a very kind of strategic push by specific organizations and people to grow that. And that was been successful and led to our success. So, I mean, it's, it's a it's a combination of both. Right. I mean, there's people who are wanting it to, to get there and then and then, you know, things lining up. 
Yeah, no, I think we're in that kind of moment of... Actually, you know what? I love that George Kosmowski shout out. Uh, George hired me for my first job back... Oh, there you go. Yeah. Real, real OG here. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it is a small he, he, paid me, he, he paid me $10 an hour with a master's from Stanford University. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you go. That's what it takes. <laughs> That's how badly I wanted to live in Austin. That's so cool. Well, this has been great. And I really appreciate Dennis and John, both of you guys, right? everybody joining us for this. So we always ask the same question on the podcast. So I'll give a slightly different uh, version here. And, and Dennis, I'll, I'll start with you. What's next for the Austin biosector? Gosh, what, what's next? Um, you know, I, don't know. I think we're all kind of focused on how do we get through the next 12 months and, you, you know, in surviving kind of the current, uh, current conditions. But I, I'm, I'm still really excited about you know, having something like Dell Medical School here and some of the things that are happening at the university, I, I, I get excited by, you know, a lot of interesting homegrown research um, here, um, you know, having CIPRID in the state supporting a lot of that. I think, think there's just a lot of potential that's going to continue to unlock. Uh, so I, I'm I'm so excited to see. I mean, we're I mean, we, we do a lot of company formation at Sante. It's something unique about what we do. And so a lot of times we will partner with academic labs and, and take something and pull it out and build a team around it and stuff. And, you know, it's it's you know, UT. It's, I'll be frank, is, you know, at least on the bio side has not been kind of you know, first up shopping. We've missed a couple of spectacular successes out of there. But now it's a place where we're looking to build and, you know, having the medical school here and that infrastructure and that kind of um, aggregation of the life science technology um, on campus is I, I get excited about that and, and look forward to see how that combined with them, um, you know, some of the, the new influx of, um, you know, life science ecosystems and the venture funds that are here and the money that's in and around here. That's an interesting combination. Juan, what's next? For me, I think it's a really exciting time in terms of having an organized community around bio and med tech and allowing all the different people here to contribute to that and be a part of that. And then in turn, it facilitates their success. And then we kind of help the whole Texas scene rise. You know, I think, I think that's what I'm looking forward to over the next five, 10 years. So from my side, I think that it's just getting started. I think Austin and Texas are the next big bio hub uh, in the state as many, all of the things are kind of, I think, trending in our, our favor. And VCs are raising more money, startups are growing. And I think it's a, a lot of opportunity. So, Dennis, Jawad, everyone, thanks for joining. This is our first Austin Next Live. Hopefully it went well and everybody kind of liked the uh, like we did. And if you enjoyed it, please give our main podcast a try as we continue to grow there and we can be found uh, on any platforms. So thanks again and uh, thanks for joining us. So what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher. Leave us a review and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.